This is an ABC podcast. Quick warning, this episode of Parental as Anything with Maggie Dent has a bit of bad language. Hi, I'm Maggie Dent and this is Parental as Anything, the podcast that helps you parent with a little more confidence and acceptance instead of bucket loads of guilt and anxiety. Now, before we get started, just a heads up, this episode, we're going to be covering some possibly triggering material about the impact of cyberbullying on our tweens and our teens. And we really need to go there because it has become problematic. So for those of you who've got any concerns with what we're chatting about right now, remember Lifeline 131114. Do not hesitate. These are people who deal with this all the time. Explore Siberia. In particular, cyberbullying. I can't imagine what it's like for kids today. Not just the face to face bullying, but the anonymous stuff and the 24 7. It's really huge for our families and our schools and especially our kids. It's kind of scary because I don't know like who could actually be a bully because everyone's so fake nowadays. You, can, you can't really tell. I think it happens more commonly, like, later on in the day. I think that's when it starts to emerge from the shadows. All you will see is, like, hate comments. People are actually taking the time to go onto their phone, look through these photos, feel bad about themselves and, have to, like, have to take it out on everyone else. It's often the people that aren't at the top of the food chain that aren't as brave enough to stand up for themselves so they just get cyberbullied more and more. People find out that they're easy targets so they just go for them. Whoa. So Rachel Downey is the creator of this website called Stymie which lets you report issues anonymously to schools across the country to help them manage cyberbullying and other stuff. Now we both share an extensive background in high schools and working with teens and we we really kind of like them, don't we? Um, Social media now is a massive part of their world and it's a way they connect, it's a way they learn stuff and navigate friendships. You know, there are some serious benefits. <laughs> okay, and the challenges. The so, challenges. And I, I think that's a big one confusing our parents, don't you reckon? It's just, oh, my gosh. Definitely the challenges. I guess we do like to concentrate on the positives, but the challenges are actually what schools are dealing with. And more often than not, you know, we deliver lots of parenting sessions and they're not there to talk about the great stuff that's going on. They're actually there to talk about how they can deal with the tricky stuff. There's heaps of them out there. What's really quite funny is I remember when Facebook first got going, you know, teens were on there, but then parents jumped on, so they all jumped off. Yeah. Um, so they're not there. So where are they? Where are they playing mainly? What sorts of kind of app areas? Oh, look, they're playing in all sorts of places, and some of that is our challenge in keeping up with them. Yeah. They love Instagram. They love anonymous messaging apps as well, which in terms of being an educator and a parent is a little bit difficult <laughs> for us to keep up with. They like video sharing, lots of of image sharing and those sorts of things as well. Um, The younger kids still do use Facebook, but Instagram and Snapchat is sort of Australia's biggest go-to at the moment. Tell me some of the secret ways, because I didn't even know there were those anonymous kind of things. How on earth 
did they find them in the first place? Well, I guess they're a lot more connected than we ever used to be. So one of the things is that they'll hear about something and then before you know, everyone knows about it and everyone's on it and testing it and using it and pushing it to its boundaries. And I guess that's creating a lot of issues. And anonymous messaging is something that really concerns me. Because if you think about it, like Maggie, when you and I were at school, if we had a fight in the playground and I called you all of this nasty stuff, well, I had an immediate consequence for that. You'd either cry. Mm. And even if I didn't like you, I'd have some feelings about that. Or you might call me some nasty stuff back. Oh, yeah. Or you might get your mates to bash me up. And I definitely have feelings about that. But what happened in that moment was that I grew in my emotional intelligence. Mm. And I learned that when I say these things, that something else happens in return. Now, when our children are um, exposing their thoughts and their feelings about other people and themselves anonymously, they're not getting that learning back Mm. and there isn't a consequence and it's creating problems. And also we went home and home was a safe base because there was probably a phone on the wall. There's no peace from this world once you've kind of enmeshed yourself into it. No, there's not. And that's the bit that the kids really need help with. We are and and we have to be honest about this. Most of us and most of our kids are dealing with a level of addiction. And addiction behaviours, well, we know how to deal with naughty kids, even in school. But we don't know how to deal with addiction behaviours because they're quite over the top. Talk us through how do we you know, protect them as much as we can while recognising they're still emerging adults that need to have some sort of choice and autonomy in their lives. And and that's the thing. Like, we can't pretend that if we keep them away from that world, they're going to seek it out. And I love advocating for what I call cyber wellness. And what builds cyber wellness in a family is transparency, balance and boundaries. And if you have transparency, which means having conversations really early, and I'm talking about what I love to call digital values. As a family, what are your digital values? Now, my values when I grew up was that, you know, when we went to Nana's place, we didn't use foul language, we used please and thank you, all of those sorts of things. Well, they apply to the internet as well. So have you sat down with your kids and established when you are representing our family online, what does that look like? Do we ask for nudes? Do we express everything we want in a moment of anger? Have you taught them about strangers? Have you taught them about friendships with people that they haven't actually met in a physical format as well? And and this is because we didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. No. But we have to wind back. It's the first time in the world where we've gone, go out into the world yeah. and explore, but we're not going to give you any boundaries. And then we've gone, oh, hang on a second, this isn't going so well. This is not going so well. So what are the different ways that you're seeing it happening that's uh-huh. causing all sorts of pain? Um, honestly, I was reflecting on this before and it's it's actually kind of hard to talk about this and where to know where to start. Basically, anything that kids are communicating on can be used as a vehicle for cyberbullying. And I guess um, what we are trying to teach kids is that actually using a carriage service to menace, harass or offend is illegal. It is illegal. And, and what a lot of parents don't know is that their kids are responsible for their own thoughts and actions in terms of Australian law from the age of 10. 10. Yeah. Now, I was in um, a small country town in Queensland and um, I got to do some work with some of the police up there. It's been really great work and and what I want to share is that they have actually in the last four weeks charged two 10-year-olds 
with crimes. So it does actually happen. And I guess um, when we're allowing kids into the cyber world in terms of cyberbullying, it's really important that you know the law and that you know that your children know the law as well. So the cyberbullying stuff is happening on any any social media platform. Roasting is a really big one at the moment. So I might get a photo of you, Maggie. Yeah. We used to be awesome mates, yeah. but we're not anymore. Yeah. And I've posted it on Instagram or somewhere and I actually invite other people to say nasty stuff about you. And then when we've sort of reached maximum damage, I can invite you to the group or you may have already been part of the group and you can see how you've been publicly shamed. And I guess one of the issues that we deal with in school then is that we have to then help students who are school refusing because they feel ashamed and embarrassed and haven't done anything wrong. You know, it's all of the other people who have. This is why we have to be so, so aware of this window. And I think a lot of parents feel quite frightened, but actually it's pretty simple. It's a pre-preparation thing. It's about closing the gap of your knowledge. I guess one of the biggest things about cyberbullying is that in most cases of cyberbullying, there's also face-to-face bullying happening as well. And you mentioned earlier about the fact that it's really hard to shut the door on it. And that's where parents need to come in. Yeah. You you actually have the ability to shut the door on yeah. it. But the cyberbullying stuff is is you just need to keep an eye on their behaviour, on your child's behaviour, if there are any changes in behaviour. There was a guy at my school who he would post something and people would comment on that post saying like really mean stuff and they would say stuff about his like his weight, his appearance, his everything really. They would go like hard and he nearly um, actually commits suicide because of it. So often I find people really criticising people's bodies and appearance. So they could be the most beautiful person in the world, but someone will feel bad about themselves and go after their body and go, oh, you're fucking fat, you're a fucking pig. Yeah, I knew someone at my school. She had some bullies at school harassing her online, like, relentlessly. And one day they took it so far as to contact a predator and let out her information to him, like phone number, I think maybe even an address. A friend of mine had friends who they set up a freak profile online and they used that profile like writing stuff about themselves and that looked like it was coming from my friend and she felt like... Everyone around the school thought that she was this bully, where it was actually the girls. (sighs) I remember um, a young girl telling me, a 15-year-old girl who was a self-harmer, that she was part of a group and every week they had, um, they kind of gave an award or you got lots of cred for having the wound of the week. And my heart just nearly just kind of snapped in that place thinking... My goodness, knowing how desperate our teens are to have some sense of approval in that crazy world, yeah. oh, that <laughs> that just, once again, that's when I realised, oh, gosh, look what grown-up people have created for our children to play in, which has such potential for harm. Well, I guess this is the the 
the most frustrating thing. We are allowing kids to spend time in a grown-up place where they have to be able to process consequence. Now, when do their brains actually become <laughs> capable of doing 20s. that? 20s. 20s. So we're allowing actually really young people in a world, and it is the world, of um, grown-up emotions and feelings and exposure to grown-up things without actually being able to think about what will happen if I say this thing? What will happen if I do that thing? The self-harm is a tough one. There are lots of closed groups. If you go to Tumblr, even just last night in talking about this, um, going through Instagram, kids will make posts about um, asking other kids to talk about their self-harming and how they do it and how they hide it and all of those sorts of things as well. I think the other thing is that Fake accounts are also really huge. So whilst parents might think that they've got a handle on what's visible, there's also all of the covert things that we spoke about before um, that are not visible and actually really hard to track down. Okay, so walk us through the steps that you'd recommend for a parent who's just discovered their child's been you know, bullied yeah, so, so the first thing is you're not allowed to freak out. Even if you want to freak out, you are not allowed to freak out. How do you do that? I mean, <laughs> heck, how do you do that? I would be seriously Sorry. freaked out. Oh, you do. You do get freaked out. But the way that you deal with this from mm. right from that second is so important. I'll tell you why. If you overreact, your child will not come to you again. And, and that's one of the biggest things that we deal with in school. We say we have kids say, well, we came and told you once and it wasn't fixed and, and they don't come again. It's because they don't want to tell anybody because of the overreaction. You can go and lose it privately in your bedroom later. Yeah. And the other thing is that we as parents, we feel hurt by this. Powerless we really do. to help. Too, and we also we? feel guilty. Mm, guilty. So yep. that shame thing comes in as a parent as well. And like I said before, we don't know what we don't know. So don't overreact. And the next thing is you need to bring them along with you. You are not allowed to say, right, I'm taking all your stuff from you and I'm going to deal with this. That child needs to be a part of the healing journey. The learning and healing journey, isn't it? Well, and that's what helps them develop Mm. their resilience. And they will learn from you in terms of how you are going to deal with this conflict. So if you deal with it inappropriately by blaming and going off at the school and off at the parents of the kid. And the other thing is that, you know, in my experience sitting in the school chair, well, I I often have a parent come to me and say, this has happened and that's happened and that's only half of the story. So you've got to make sure that you have all pieces of the story (laughs) before you start pointing fingers at people as well. So I also have quite a number of times been involved in cases where parents have lost it and then used social media against the child and ended up in trouble with the law themselves. So it's really important that you also try and learn those lessons too. You Just because you might be passing comment online, you're responsible for everything you're saying as well. And a lot so of don't parents... don't make it worse. Don't make it worse or <laughs> exacerbate it. It's really important. Um, and, and Okay, so we need to gather evidence. We need to block things. Walk through those basic physical steps because yeah, so, I think that... In, and in the order that you recommend them. Yeah, in terms of cyberbullying... So so the first thing is you're not freaking out and we're listening really carefully to your child's side of the story and you're asking them about how they're feeling. That's really important. And you're regularly checking in with them on that. And you need to ask your child how they feel comfortable in terms of dealing with it. Now, they may say, I don't want you to do anything. And part of it might be, well, 
we're not not going to do anything. We have to do something, but you are going to have a say in the something. Would you like me to contact the school? Would you like me to contact the parents? And that's them bringing along. With the cyberbullying stuff, if it is definitely um, repeated, you can definitely collect evidence. And after you've collected enough evidence, you need to make sure that you block that person. Now, what we're hearing at the moment is that you can block that person, but if they really want to keep having a go, they'll go and set up another fake account and then come from that account as well. And that's really quite serious. That needs to be escalated. All platforms have a reporting process. So whether it's Instagram... Are they really doing something? I keep reading in the press that they really... Yeah, but that's that's the press. Like yeah, I so go to tell conferences, me the truth. I go to conferences every other month. Places like YouTube, Facebook, um, Instagram, their reporting processes are really great. And actually, when we ask parents, a lot of the time, we say, have you reported it to Instagram? Most of the time, the answer is no. Okay, I'm talking eight clicks and you can actually have the incident reported and they respond pretty well. Awesome. That's great news. So you've got to actually try. And, And the other thing that's a really big thing too, Maggie, is that often people will report it to the school or a platform or even the police once. And they expect it all to be fixed once. Now, sometimes people will come back and have a second go at the cyberbullying as well. And the important thing is that you need to let the people know again, all right, because that's escalated and that's a lot more serious. When this all sort of first started up and running, you know, as school managers, we were like, look, if it happens on Facebook, we're not dealing with it here. But that was before kids started spending significant amounts of time online. And we know that the average Australian teenager spends more than 40 hours a week online. They're very invested and and it's embedded. So what we now know is that there's a direct psychological correlation between offline and online resilience. And what social media and the internet has done is actually blurred all of these boundaries between physical and not physical, and it's creating quite a lot of disruption. So what's happening is that they are um, being disrupted and schools actually have a mandatory obligation to deal with these things. The fallout basically happens in our school grounds, even if it... Yeah. You know, and I mean, I do get a bit poopy sometimes, Maggie. I've got to be honest. Uh, why why are schools responsible for what's happening in kids' bedrooms at 2 o'clock in the morning exactly. or, at, or at midnight? The thing is that they have to be because it's affecting, it's disaffecting learning. Exactly. So we, we really need more help from the parents. We need a bigger investment and we need to upskill our knowledge. And I'm not saying you've got to keep up with your kids, but like I said before, you've just got to close the gap so that there's an opportunity for you to be able to know what's going on. So can you explain just simplistically the the, the reason that you created the website Stime Me? Because I, I, think it's, I think it's a brilliant idea. Thank you. Well, a number of years ago when I was looking after Year 9 students, it was one of my roles in the school, one of my Year 9 boys completed suicide. And I guess it was one of those situations, you've been a teacher, you know how you, you walk into your mm. classes and you know which kids are doing okay and which kids aren't. And he was consistently not doing okay, but he didn't want to talk about it. And and if he was going to talk to anyone about it, it would have been me. I had a great teaching and learning relationship with him. But after he died, the students then came forward with really important information, and I believe it was life-saving information. Cyberbullying was a big part of it. Uh, There was family violence that we didn't know about as a school and other physical stuff that was going on at school as well. So I spoke to heaps of students, hundreds of students and staff and teachers, 
and I basically said, if we were going to be proactive about this, how could we help you? And the kids basically said, well, we'd like something that's anonymous. We want it to be available 24 hours a day and we need for it to be really accessible. So we made stymie.com.au. So it's a place where students can go and make an anonymous notification about all kinds of harm. And right from the beginning, they're invited to get help for someone. And that someone could be themselves as well, but it's still anonymous. And we've been going for five years and I have the utter privilege of working with kids in schools every day. But I also get messages from principals and student managers every day saying, and, you know, this makes me quite emotional, but we, you know, we will get messages from principals saying, um, I can't tell you the details, but Rach, we want to let you know that the kids used stymie to save a kid's life yesterday and those sorts of things. And self-harm yeah. is reported prevalently and family violence, sexual assault, um, sextortion, cyberbullying. Yeah. They can attach screenshots of evidence as well. And the school receives it and then supports the student who's the subject of the notification using an already existing wellbeing framework with outside agencies as well if they need to. Yeah, and the fact that you ask them, that's the whole point, isn't it? Let's respect how they see how they want that help coming from. And I just that's I just right. cannot tell you how much that just, yeah, I've, I've also lost a couple of students who I knew weren't travelling well and it was afterwards that the friends came and told me yeah. things and I said, um, okay, whew, that's a biggie. Well, they know like, everything. They do. <laughs> and I think, you know, that's the role I keep talking about. Every every single teen needs a, a lighthouse is a safe place that they can come to. And not all of them have it. And not all of them have it. Stupid fucking slut leading me on by posting those photos and when I ask you for more politely, you refuse. You're nothing but a fucking mutt. Bitch, check the weight limit. We don't take oversized luggage. You are ugly and fat. Why do you even bother coming to school anymore, freak? You're a no-good, spoiled bitch that needs to get a fucking life because no one will ever like you. Everything nice told to you is a lie because everyone feels bad for you. You're a piece of crap and you make me want to die because you're just that ugly. How do you put up with yourself? We are seeing the violence in language. You know, and I spoke about this last year quite publicly. I do not know why it is acceptable for kids to tell each other to go and kill yourself. Yeah. Okay? And And we are in a place where it's acceptable and it's because us as grown-ups, we've let that happen. We have. We haven't been watching their conversations. So when you say to me, oh, isn't it kind of like reading mm-hmm. their diary? Yeah, well, we're in a place at the moment where they're happy for the world to read their diary but not for their parents. If you went home, Maggie, and and said to husband, wife or partner, any of us, hey, babe, you know that party we're having this weekend? Could you please um, (laughs) let me jump on your Facebook or your Instagram? I want to invite a few more people. If your husband, wife or partner said, actually, babe, I'm not cool with you being on, on my social media, how would that make you feel? You wouldn't accept that, would you? No. But we allow our 10, 11, 12, 13-year-olds a higher level of privacy than we would our grown-up, responsible, other, life grown-up adult. And I don't know how we got here, but the kids are running the show. You know, I do not believe kids should be using Snapchat. No. All right? But 
They are running the show. They go home and they say, oh, well, I'm going to be left out. No one's going to like me if I don't have it. And as parents will go, oh, okay, darling, but we've got no idea how to use it. We don't, we don't actually know what it is and the kinds of issues. So last week, a deputy principal, I said, could you explain to me how Snapchat, because it was a big issue in this school, has affected your life in, in the last seven days? And this deputy principal said, hmm, one Snapchat, three deputies, five days. So it has taken three deputy principals five days to sort out this one Snapchat that had completely undone an entire year level and it was around around um, nude image sharing and that's every day. That's one Snapchat. That's let alone the other 20, you know, cyber-related issues that they needed to deal with as well. Now, those three deputies, they're meant to be doing staff development, they're meant to be doing <laughs> curriculum development and all of those sorts of things and most of them are saying that at least 50% of their day is taken up with what's happening in kids' bedrooms or on social media and that is why my desperate plea to parents is this is affecting your child's education. It's beautiful because what you are saying and, and what every parent out there needs to know is that you can manage, you can step up, but you're Absolutely. going to be an un, un, unpopular parent from time to time. And I really think that whole notion of um, keeping our children happy and being wonderful, loving human beings, there are times we need to be their parents because you can make a difference for your children, but we also need to empower our children and our children's friends to be protectors and allies we need our siblings to protect us yep. because we know that the the consequences of some of this are completely fatal. And certainly in my school where we had that tragic event, and this is something people don't talk about, we were having conversations with children who felt like they had killed somebody. Yeah. And the everlasting harm sometimes. Some of these kids are going to get over it and they'll be fine, but some of them also aren't going to be. And it's not all disaster and all horror. There are really great things that happen. Mm. But as I said at the beginning of this, that's not most of what we're dealing with at the moment, to be honest. I, I As I sit and listen to this, I can now understand the incredible shift in our statistics yeah. around our kids struggling and not wanting to be here. Um, and really, I, I really want us to have those conversations in our homes right now. After this, share this. Go and share this with anyone yep. who has got children who are online. I'm hoping now that this podcast becomes <laughs> the leading light in the conversations that happen in schools and communities and that we step forward. Um, I cannot thank you enough, um, even though you've made me feel very, very uncomfortable and sad and Sorry. nearly broke my heart at several times. Thank you and my thank pleasure. you for the wonderful work you're doing, Thank Rachel. you so much, Maggie. It's been a pleasure for me too. I know this is a heavy topic and I hope you're still with me because this is really, really important. This is a whole landscape that you haven't had to deal with, but your tweens and teens are. So let me give you a couple of other tips. I've got an idea on how to start a conversation with your teens and how to keep it going around this world. So find an example out of the paper, out of the press about something problematic, possibly with cyberbullying or texting with uh, naked images, and start the conversation from the article and ask them what they think about it. One of the things that really concerns us in terms of the well-being of our teens and our tweens is being bullied face-to-face and being bullied online. So one of my biggest tips to you is keep telling your kids anytime this might happen to you, we've got your back and together we'll overcome the problem. 
you might also need to say you're not going to rip their devices off them because seriously, that's the other reason they won't talk to you. If you feel like you need some extra help for your child or you or anyone who's being impacted by cyberbullying, or if this has brought up some big feelings for you, there are some brilliant organisations which can help. And I've put the numbers in the show notes for you. If you've got some good ideas for helping our teens stay on top of their tech world in a healthy way, please flick me an email at parentalisanything at your.abc.net.au. And please spread the word. Tell your fellow mums, dads, aunts, uncles and grandparents. They could all subscribe to Parental As Anything via the ABC Listen app or wherever they get their podcasts. Next time... No, enough, enough. Anger. The good news is you're not alone and I'll bring you some fabulous tips on how you can navigate anger in your kids and in yourself too. That's next time on Parental As Anything with me, Maggie Dent. (laughs) 